Knowing my luck, I'll probably step back and fall in the, the tub and uh, tear my other ACL. And uh, that's my luck. Um, I'm going to share a story with you that I heard on the radio that I think is a tremendous story. So you've probably heard it. It's on KSGN, and there's one of the, the guys that come on there and, and give little uh, talks. Little short blips is shared this story, but it goes something like this, and I might have shared it here. It was back in Abraham Lincoln's day, and there was uh, it was a time of slavery in which they were auctioning off a slave. And there was a woman that they were auctioning off, and uh, Abraham Lincoln went ahead and raised his hand and bid for her, and purchased her. She comes down and is following him and with him, and he, he turns to her and he goes, "You are free." She kind of laughs. Yeah, yeah, right, I'm free, yeah. No, you're really free. You're free to go. She goes, you mean I'm free to go live where I want to live? I can go eat where I want to eat? I can go do whatever I want to do? He says, yeah, you've been purchased, and I set you free. She goes, if that's the case, I'm following you. We have truly been set free from the power of sin. Lord Jesus Christ went and shed his blood and purchased us from the slave market of sin so that we are freed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in this life and to live victorious. It's truly an amazing thing when you look at from the Old Testament to the New Testament and it's a, it's a change in which God has done. In the Old Testament, he gave the law, which is perfect, which is holy, which is God's righteous standard, and man could not keep it. But man failed. He didn't have the power to do it. So God turns around and he looks at man, and his goal is not just to save us from the penalty of sin, not just to save us from the wrath of God, but to save us from the power of sin, so that we live victorious Christian lives so that we are no longer, as our brother Nick shared this morning in Romans chapter 6, we are no longer slaves to sin. We have been set free. We are under the grace of God. And it's amazing when I started, I had picked this Romans 8 passage we're going to look at eventually. Um, before, I had talked to Nick, and he is doing Romans 6. And then before that, Larry Price talked about this in the men's conference and how God has done something new. He has brought us into this family relationship. He has, he has made us a son of God. And he touched on a little bit Sunday night when he came and, and spoke. But what I'd like to look at and focus on a little bit more, and a few weeks ago I spoke, and we, we looked at the old man and the new man. We looked at that old nature, that sinful nature that is still with us. And how God has perfectly put within us, as Peter would say, a divine nature. A nature that, that is after the nature of God, that wants to um, produce those same attributes of God. And what we see the Holy Spirit doing, and this is what we're going to look at tonight, is the work of the Spirit of God is not only did God give us the old nature, or the new nature, and we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, but he has put his Spirit within us to lead us, to guide us, to draw out that of our new nature, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to conform us to the image of Christ. And my challenge to you this evening 
is are you walking in the Spirit? Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life? Does the Holy Spirit have control over you? You know, one of my favorite cartoons growing up was Charlie Brown. And many of you have seen Charlie Brown, but it's interesting. Whenever the parents talk, it's always wah, 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 wah. You don't know what the parents are talking about. And in the same sense, and with little kids, they would talk nonstop about nothing, and you end up just tuning them out. And you don't know what they're talking about until you hear something key. And I'm not going to mention this about our wives, but um, I know none of you do that to your wife when she's chirping at you, that you just kind of tune her out till you get the key word. But have we done that to the Spirit of God? Is when the Spirit of God speaks to you, do you just hear a wah, 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 wah? And it's like, get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. What we're going to look at is uh, we're going to start off in Galatians chapter 5, so if you can turn there, and then we'll be over in Romans chapter 8. We mentioned last, uh, last time I spoke, there were three enemies of the Christian. The three enemies of the Christian is the world, the devil, and the flesh. Chafer states, Lewis Berry Chafer states, it is generally and properly taught that the Christian conflict is threefold, namely against the world, against the flesh, and against the devil. By this, by this, it is asserted that the Christian solicitation to evil will arise from any or all of these three. We know the world system is according to Satan. He's the prince of the power of the air. And its desires in this world is to drag you away from the things of God. And the moment that you're saved, we, we, we've talked about, is uh, God does a surgical operation, and he places that new nature within you, but that old nature is still there. One commentator made the mere fact of, of well, why didn't God, and the question comes up, why didn't God just remove the old nature? Why didn't he just leave us with a new nature? And his answer was, because the Lord wants us to keep us dependent upon him. See, and we're going to talk about this, and we are still dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit, and there's no power within me. There's no ability in my own flesh to gain God's favor, not for salvation and not for sanctification, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit and by faith we continue to walk and grow and are changed. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. <clears throat> Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh, for the, the excuse me, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelers, and the like, of which I tell you before, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh, with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk 
in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What a tremendous portion of scripture this is, an insight in which Paul gives to the walk of the believer and our ability to be victorious over the flesh, over sin, over that dominance that in our old, old man we were given over to. See, before we were saved, we were given over to the flesh, and, and it had its way. We were slaves. We were obedient to that flesh, to that old man that was within us, to do its will. But what God has done is God has crucified the flesh. As Nick elaborated, and as we saw in the baptism, we have been crucified with Christ. We have been buried, and we have rose again to walk in newness of life. No longer are we slaves to that old slave master. We are free to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and live victorious with him. Look at what it says in verse 21 in the very end. Just as I also told you in the past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible makes it clear that when you have an individual that there's no changed life. There's no one that, that, is, that is, is someone that's unable to conquer the flesh and to live for God. The, the question has to arise is, is the person truly born again? Is he truly a new creation in Christ? Because, see, the New Testament lays out, and we know that believers do fall into sin. Believers do struggle. But as I mentioned back in the, the previous uh, message, is that just as a caterpillar changes into a butterfly, it's a new creation. It's new. It flies. It no longer stays on the leaves. It stays on the branches. But it's able to go against gravity and exert itself into the sky in the same way that the apostle Paul was once Saul of Tarsus and persecuted the Christians and dragged them into court, dragged them in and put them in jail. Once he was changed, he never did that again. And we would find it odd for him to go into a meeting and they turn around and someone that he doesn't like says, well, I'm going to drag you into, uh, put you in jail because of uh, what you believe. And that would be totally odd. It's not even in our thinking. So the same way the Christian we should be so victorious in our Christian life. We should be, have such power over sin that these works of the flesh are not even evident in our lives. But what we want to see, and the problem is, is that the minute that you're saved, you get the new nature, and you see our mind still thinks like we were when we were unsaved. And it's important, and we don't have time to get into it, but you look at key passages of where it talks about renewing the mind and the Holy Spirit's at work changing our mind, changing the way we think, the, the, the conforming us to the image of Christ, drawing out these, these fruit of the Spirit, these characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that God has given us a nature that we can emulate him, that we can walk after him. This is truly amazing stuff. And you see, we have the, the angels that are watching us. And they're watching how you once walked. They're, they're watching how, how you once conducted yourself after the course of this world. They're watching how you, you once fulfilled the lust of your flesh. And then they're marveling on how you're changed. They're marveling how day by day we're being conformed to the image of Christ and the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you that only God can do. And it's truly Amazing what he can do. God is, we're not shortchanged in anything God has come up with to, uh, um, 
to prepare us to live a victorious Christian life. God's way is perfect. He knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly how he's made us. And he has, under grace and given us this new nature in the spirit of God, to allow us to live bold, victorious Christian lives. So it says, I say then in verse 16, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's the first lesson we got to learn. If we're going to fulfill, if we're going to not fulfill the lust of the flesh, what do we got to do? Got to walk in the spirit. In um, Romans 13, 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The same idea here is that our, our Christian walk, our day by day, wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, are we in tune with the Holy Spirit? Are we listening to him? Is he leading and guiding us in every step of our, our walk? See, the Spirit of God is the mind of God. And if we want to know the mind of God, if we want to know what God thinks, what God uh, knows, you're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it through human flesh. But you've got to go, and in 1 Corinthians it talks about, but the Spirit of God reveals the deep things of God. The Spirit of God with our spirit and our mind and working with us is revealing to us who God is. He's taking the word of God and transforming it in our lives to change us. You know, a lot of times we take it for granted that we can open up the word of God and understand it. And um, in a lot of senses, we're kind of arrogant and proud about it. But really, how do we know the word of God? The spirit of God teaches us. The Spirit of God is revealing this truth to us as we study, as we meditate on it, as we spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ, as we seek his face, as we set our mind on things above, not on things below, as we seek the heavenly things. The Spirit of God is actively in work in us, and he's going to lead us in our walk, and he's going to change us and guide us. I look at verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There's a war taking place within you. And again, if you don't experience this war, there's something wrong in your life. Either, either you're completely given over to the flesh or you're not saved at all. But the spirit of God and the flesh, the old man, are at war. These two do not get along. They do not... You can't put them in the room and they, they're going to find something to agree upon. But these two dwell within you. And see, within you, the Holy Spirit wants to have dominance in your life. He wants to have his way with you. And when you look in the book of Acts and you see that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the word filled there is referring to the amount of control that the Holy Spirit has over their life. That, that, that the Spirit of God has control over their actions, over their tongue, that they're able to speak great boldness. And it's through the Spirit of God in this um, working. But see, in the same token, the flesh wants to have dominance over you. It doesn't want the Spirit of God to have its way. There's a battle going on, and this flesh wants to have you fulfill its lust. And this actually says, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You wish you would go forward. You wish that you would have this dominant Christian life, but the flesh is warring, and sometimes we listen to the flesh, and we falter, and we trip and stumble. You know, it's an amazing study as we've gone through 1 Samuel, and you see um, how David and, and, and Saul and these different individuals can go from a point of high 
being in the will of God to all of a sudden looking at their circumstances in the flesh and taking matters into their own hand and, and falling away from the Lord. The same thing is with Christians. How many times do we take matters into our own hand? We think by our own power, our own ability, our own wisdom, our own knowledge, our own strength that I can overcome the situation. Or how we delivered it to the Lord and allowed the Holy Spirit to take over and guide us when that fear enters our heart. When our kids are out late and we don't know where they're at. We allow the Spirit of God to minister the Word of God to our hearts. He's there. He, he, he wants to lead us and guide us into all the things of God. He wants to change our lives so that we emulate the Lord Jesus Christ in every thought, every action. Our members, as Romans 6 talks about, don't present your members as members of unrighteousness, but as members of righteousness. That God is going to use our body. He's going to use our hands. He's going to use our lips. He's going to use our everything. The problem is, is that and you know, we go back to these simple lessons in Sunday school. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Garbage in, garbage out. The flesh wants that garbage. It wants to pull it in and, and for you to fulfill that. But the thing is, is that we don't have to listen to that old man. We don't have to listen to the flesh. It doesn't have power of us. We are victorious. And we can go on and listen to the Spirit of God and let him have dominance in our life. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You see, God is doing a new thing. Instead of putting the Ten Commandments on the wall and saying, follow those, he's done something better and he's given us the Spirit of God. What's better than the Spirit of God within us? Because the fulfillment of the law and all of its moral attributes are within the Spirit of God and he is coming to teach us and do one-on-one -on -one deal with us. This is a new covenant. No longer do you have a priest. No longer do you have this system. But it's God dealing with us as children. As sons of God with an inheritance. And he's brought us into this family relationship. Where it's a father and a son. And it's no longer this, this judgment of wrath. But it's discipline. There is discipline. There is correction. Just like I would correct my son. It's because he loves us. But we've got to understand that God loves us as a, as a son, and he wants the very best for us, and he's going to work within the confines of that relationship in which he's made it new, in which this is an amazing thing that we'll see in Romans 8, that we can actually crowd Abba Father, Daddy, and the Spirit, glory bears testimony and praise through us. Turn over to Romans chapter 6. Uh, Romans 8, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's go ahead and read it. And I want you to listen to how many times the Spirit of God is in this. How many times he's mentioned and what he talks about. And the difference between um, sin and death and the flesh. And how the Spirit is, is one that brings forth life. Romans chapter, or Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son, and the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Let me read that one more time. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of of God, And if children, then heirs. If heirs of God, then join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Continue on reading on your own and in your own time. It's a tremendous passage, but we're not going to get through the 17 verses in the last uh, 15 minutes. Or, or through these first 17. It's an amazing chapter, huh? And... Romans 6, 7, and 8 is what would refer to as the sanctification chapters, the, the time that Paul has dealt with the gospel in the first five chapters, and now he's going in to the argument of, as chapter 6 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, in sin that grace may abound? And the argument, it comes upon the apostle Paul, and what many people argue is that with the removal of the law, and you're under grace, and let me go on and live a life of sin. Let me indulge in the flesh. What difference does it make if I live um, in sin because you're under grace? It's all forgiven. You see, what Paul actually talks about here is that a Christian, supposedly a Christian that thinks that way is not really the way they should be thinking. That's not the mentality that Paul has or the Lord has with the term of grace and that we're under it. But grace actually empowers and goes far beyond the law or anything that the law could do. For illustration, um, the law commanded that, that you tithe your 10%. Grace, it's no longer 10%. It's everything. Christ owns me. He owns all my money. He owns my body. He owns my house. He owns my car. He owns everything. See, in every situation, grace goes so much further because we're following the Lord Jesus Christ. And the common sense attitude of, of a Christian should be that that's truly redeemed is, I'm going to follow you no matter what. You have it all. 
Now, you can pull punches, and as in 1 Corinthians, it talks about your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. God owns you. And we can go that route, but really, we don't need that because you should be so in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, you want to follow him wherever he is. You're in love with him, and you're led by the Spirit of God, and you're infatuated with who God is, and, and the things that God loves, you love. The things that God hates, you hate. Because your mind is being renewed and you're being changed from inside out and you're being conformed to the image of Christ. That no longer this temptation that was once a temptation in the flesh is relevant because I want what God wants. So no longer does that temptation of whether it be sexual immorality or or covetousness or anything else, it's no longer an appetite for me. I I don't feed on it. I don't want it. It's appalling to me. It's not even uh, something that I desire. And as we go on our lives, we we should see how more and more you have um, victory and dominance over those sins that once dominated you and that once controlled you. I talked to one individual. He was telling me his struggle with uh, things of the world and and with drinking and so forth. And he says, you know what? I just can't get over it. You know, there's just certain things that in the flesh I can't, I can't conquer it's just you know and that's just the way it is my my christian life is just going to be one of lapsing into drunken stupors or whatever it might be isn't that sad i said no 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 i said advise him the same message that god has given you the power to live victorious in christ he has given you everything and the equation that he gives here look at verse 11 says but if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you Look at what he, the attention that he's drawing to. He's, he's in, and you can go into Philippians and so forth. And there's, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a real person that lives within you. But he also, what comes along with him is great power. And you see the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God that he raised Jesus from the dead. Death could not hold him, but the Spirit of God raised him. But it says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. That same power that rose Christ from the dead is the same power that lives within you to conquer sin, to live victorious, to go on, and to be bold and to live for Christ. That's an amazing resource that we have in the Spirit. Look at verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In order for God to accomplish this within us, he had to deal with the sin question. He had to deal with our condemnation, our wrath, that we were going to face a holy, righteous God. He had to bring us into a relationship that it's no longer one of performance-based, but it's one of grace and where he can deal with us as children. Because the flesh can't please God. The flesh can't do it. It, It can't earn it. So God dealt with sin, and he gives us this tremendous comfort that there is now, therefore, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus If you're in Christ Jesus, you will never face the wrath of God, ever. Not right now, not in the future. At no point in your Christian life will you ever face God's wrath. So when someone falls into some type of situation, they say, well, God's just penalizing me. That's not scriptural. There's no condemnation. We're under grace We are in a right relationship with God. We are in in, in our position is 
We are called saints. We are no more sanctified in our position than we will be in, in future glory. But in our practice, all of a sudden we see that we falter, we fail. We end up uh, screwing up. We end up falling into sin. And it's no longer a wrath that comes upon us, but it's a discipline in which the Father comes to his children and he corrects you. And in Hebrews it says, it may not be joyful. It may not be something that you're going to enjoy, but afterwards yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And God will come through and he will correct you that you're living in sin. Don't, don't ever fear that, that there's not a, uh, uh, or lose the fear that, that God is not going to come and, and correct us. But the condemnation of you have sinned and my wrath has poured out upon you as a judge is eliminated. And we have that peace within God. We have that peace that there is now no, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And as our brother shared this morning, it is true we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But this is totally different judgment than the great white throne of judgment. We've been removed from that great white throne of judgment. Never are we going to stand there and God's going to examine our works and penalize us with the flames of hell for what we've done. We're going to have a loss of reward. We're going to have weeping. We're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and see how much we've wasted our lives. And, and, but that sin question is dealt with. It's dealt with. And, and we should have peace in that to go forward. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So where law, another word you can put in there, is the principle of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the principle of sin and death. You see, there's a principle at work. And if we allow sin to dominate us, sin is always going to bring about death. Sin is always going to bring about destruction. Even as a Christian, if you want to indulge in sin... You will suffer death. In what form of death are we talking about? An actual, the Lord taking of your life, it could result in that. The Lord taking you home early. And we saw in 1 Corinthians 11, and, and when you're dealing with the Lord's Supper, there were some that were taken in an unworthy manner, and many were sick and weak, and many went to sleep in the sense that they were dead. But in a practical sense, is what sin is going to do is what I do uh, back when I was a patrol unit, is we would answer radio calls. And you see, you go and you see the effects of sin, of domestic violence, of, of the, the old man and the old nature at work. And you see people beating each other. You see drunkenness. You see drug abuse. This is sin. This is stuff that people that are engaged in the world, they age so much faster than those that, that would draw and don't partake in this, this world. Because sin is going to drag you down. It's going to split up homes. It's going to destroy kids' lives. It's going to destroy marriages. Sin will destroy your life. And I guarantee you that if you want to dive into the world and live after the principle of sin and death, you're, you will live a very miserable, destructive life. It's a guarantee. It, it, the scriptures are very clear. But if we're going to go against the flesh, and we're going to go after the principle of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings forth life in Christ Jesus. The Spirit of God is always going to bring forth that living water that is within you, that abundant life, that fulfilled life, that satisfied life. 
and you will experience blessings and joy. And will you still suffer hardship and still go through difficult times? Absolutely. The Spirit of God will be always there to comfort you and to carry you through and to lead you. It's a tremendous thing in which the, the difference between the law of the Spirit of life and the law of sin and death. He goes on to say, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sinned by, did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin and the flesh. So Lord Jesus Christ had to come. He had to come as a, a human being, a man. Though 100% God, he had to come as a man to represent us. Though he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, he was not born after the seed of man, but was born of uh, the Holy Spirit in the virgin birth. Therefore, that sin nature in which we inherit from Adam that's passed on was not passed on to Lord Jesus Christ. He was sinless. His nature was not like ours. Yet he came in the flesh to represent man. And he took our sins. He went to the cross of Calvary as our representative as the only one that could pay. And the Lord Jesus Christ being 100% man could represent us, but him being 100% God shows that in uh, numerous people he could redeem because his blood has no value. It's beyond value. It's beyond anything because the Son of God loved us and died for us. It has of infinite value is what I should have said. That the righteous requirements of law might be filled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. I hope you see the, the difference between the carnal mind and the flesh and God and how they do not relate to one another. God has not come and taken the old man and the flesh and tweaked them and made it so that it's some super hybrid uh, modification. But you have the old man within us and you have the new man. And this old man and this carnal mind and this way it's, uh, of its thinking is enmity against God. God doesn't share in its thoughts, its passions, its desires, or anything else. And if we are going to follow the ways of the world, then you're going to have a problem with the Lord. You know, there's nothing more miserable than a Christian that is in the world. Step your foot in the world and you will be in absolute misery. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Look at how he reiterates the mere fact that if you are in the flesh, there's no way you're going to gain God's favor. There's no way, and what he's talking about here is the actual unbeliever. There's no way he's going to earn his way to heaven. No way is he going to gain any of God's uh, favor. But look at the but in verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells, with, dwells in you. The Spirit of God doesn't live with you, within you. You are not 
his. You are not saved. But the Spirit of God lives within you. You are not in the flesh to conduct yourself after the flesh, but to be led by the Spirit of God. Hurrying through some of this stuff, I, I want to touch on just a few other things um, in closing here. In Ephesians 5, 8, 518, it talks about being filled, a command to be filled with the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. And Ephesians 4.30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. These are interesting, and, and, and on your own time you can study these out, but as the Spirit of God lives within us and he leads us, he's going to lead you in the path of righteousness. He's going to lead you in the way that God wants you to go. He's going to lead you to edify your, your, to use your gift in this assembly to edify the saints. And quenching the Spirit has to do with, just like it's mentioning here, of the quenching is like there's a fire. And you take water and you spray water on that fire and you quench it, you douse it, you put it out. So the Spirit of God is urging you to live, to exercise your gift, to go forward. And when we say, no, I don't want to do that. When he urges you to witness to somebody, when he urges you to, to, to throw out an edification to someone, to build someone up, uh, to bring a word or whatever it might be, and you say no, we're no longer being led by the Spirit, but we're quenching the Spirit of God. We're saying we don't want anything to do with you and what you're telling me to do. And the grieving of the Holy Spirit has to do with sin, has to do with when we enter into the, those, those areas of the flesh, we fall into sin, and your heart begins to beat, and you know you're doing something wrong. And you know you hear the Spirit of God just screaming at you, saying, don't do it, whatever it might be. Turn off the TV, turn off, walk out of this movie, don't partake in this, whatever you're going into. And we say, no, I don't care that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I want to fulfill the lust of the flesh right now in my body. You are grieving the Spirit of God. And as I mentioned, to be filled with the Spirit of God is the amount of control the Spirit has. And if he has, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, you're not going to quench him, you're not going to grieve him, and you're going to be obedient to him. And he's going to have control over you to do and to accomplish God's will. Do we listen to the Holy Spirit? Is he having his way in our life? Or are we trying to wrestle with satisfying the flesh and the Spirit of God? Which one are we listening to? They're both there. They're both screaming at you. They both want dominance. The flesh doesn't want anything to do with God and his ways and his righteousness. But which one are you listening to in your daily walk? Not just on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, throughout every day. What a tremendous thing that we have to have the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Let's bow in prayer. Gracious God and Father, we thank you so much that you have given all the provision needed to live a victorious Christian life, Father. You have crucified that sin that once dominated us, that once we were slaves to, and you have freed us indeed to follow after you. Father, you have given us your spirit to lead and guide us. We pray, Father, that each one of us will be sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to accomplish your will and your work, to change us, to conform us to the image of Christ, Father, to rid out that stuff that's keeping us from serving God wholeheartedly. The Spirit of God speaking. 
May we not be like those churches and the seven churches of Asia that the Spirit of God is speaking and they don't listen. They close their ears to. Open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to the leading of the Spirit of God and change us, Lord, we do pray. In the name of Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.